We talk a lot about purpose here at Clearview, and we do. We, we really believe, and it's been strong on my heart, really my entire Christian journey. You hear me say it, I'm going to keep saying it, that you know, God didn't just birth you into this world for no reason. You know, I, I was born in Coffee County, Tennessee, actually in Harton Hospital in Tullahoma, and God didn't look down, I'm telling you, God didn't look down in 1972 and say, you know, I just think Tullahoma needs another person. That's just not what God does. God puts us on this planet for a reason. Some of you have money. Some of you have talent. Some of you have musicianship. Some of you have great business acumen. Some of you are great at athletics. Some of you, like Miss Gale, are, are, are really passionate about things with education and mentoring. There's, there, there's a, a host of things that, that we all can contribute to the kingdom of God. And, and what I wanna, why, why I want to bring that up but before we talk about Franktown this morning, I want to tell you why this matters so much. And, you know, when, when you, maybe you're watching at home and, and, and you're thinking, you know, why, why am I here? Truthfully, I, I believe that philosophers have said it really since the dawn of time. Even atheistic philosophers will say to you that one of the number one questions the human being will ask throughout their lifetime is, why was I created? That, that every person, whether you're a believer in Christ or not, people eventually swing around to asking, what in the world am I here for? I mean, why was I even born? Why are people here? And, and so we, we know that the scriptures testify that God put you here specifically for a cause. And that cause may be very specific. It might be, you know, uh, my, my, my favorite football coach, Dabo Swinney, uh, who's, let's pray for him. He's recovering mentally right now, I'm sure. Uh, unless you're a Notre Dame friend, and then you're not praying for Dabo Swinney at all. But, uh, but you know, he, I heard him say one time, I believe God made me to coach football. You know, I've heard people in law enforcement say, I believe that God made me to do this. I've heard teachers, I've heard many teachers believe that, that say that they understand that God formed them and created them to, aren't you glad we have educators that are missionaries in the classroom? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, if, if any place that missionaries are needed, is it not in the public school system? I mean, so, so the Lord has, has gifted all of us, but I think a lot of times we really believe when it comes to ministry, and there's this myth, I think, in evangelicalism that it, it can't be of Jesus and it can't be God-honoring unless it's miserable, right? I mean, really. People think, you know, unless I'm crawling through the mud in some, you know, third world country hating every moment of it, then, then it really doesn't count. And that's just not true. It's not true at all. I, I, I mean, there are times we go through struggle, for sure. But I want to tell you something, friend. God did not put you on this earth for you to be miserable. He didn't. He put you on this earth to enjoy his presence. You know, if you ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire, uh, it's an old movie. This is a documented quote from Eric Little. Eric Little was uh, a runner, and, not, and, and he, he was going into the Olympics uh, during the Nazi era, and so he was going to go participate and, and run, and, but he always knew that he was called to missions. And this has been like in the 30s, you know, 1930s, and, and so some of his friends, and I think it was his sister as history goes, his sister asked him, Eric, you know that God calls you to go to a foreign country. Why are you going to go run in the Olympics? Is that not disobedient? She asked him that question. And this is what Eric Little said on record. Eric Little said, I am called to missions. 
He said, but God also, when he said, when God made me, God made me fast. And he said, this is what he said, when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. You know, listen, whatever you've got in resources, whatever you've got in DNA, you should feel his pleasure. And you shouldn't feel guilty about that, you know? So I want to share with you a, a verse of scripture that really transformed my life. In fact, I wrote most of my doctoral dissertation a long time ago around this one, one verse. And it's, it, we're not going to, uh, we're not, I'm not, that's about all I'm going to say that I'm going to bring up Chris. But in Matthew chapter 4, it says, it, now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. Now look at this phrase, for they were fishermen. Now let me tell you something. My daddy was really, he was really great at fishing, all right? Great angler. When I was a little boy, my daddy brought home trophies bigger than I was. I'm not kidding. I, I didn't know they made trophies that big, huge trophies. And, and my daddy taught me a very important lesson. There are people that go fishing, and then there are people that catch fish, all right? And those people are different. All right, fishing and catching fish are two different things, right, Tommy Campsey? That's right, that's right. So I've learned there are people that go hunt for turkeys and there's turkey hunters, all right? Different, different breed of person, all right? Well, they were fishermen. That's an identity clause. Have you ever been around commercial fishermen? They look like commercial fishermen. I promise you they talk like commercial fishermen. They have a whole set of vocabulary that if you can't take it, don't go out on the dock, you know? That's just how they, that's how they do it. They smell different. They look different. They value different things, right? Uh, different than me, that is, not different to them. And then, so Jesus said they were, they, they were fishermen. And then Jesus said to them, look at this phrase, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. That's a career change right there. Can you imagine Peter going home that night and saying, Jesus, how, you know, how was work, sweetie? Well... I quit. You know, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty big statement. What are you going to do? Follow a man around? Where? I don't know yet. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty different... Try to have that with your spouse, fellas. Uh, you know, have that conversation. But he had a career change. But I want you to look at one thing, and then we're going to bring up Franktown here. Look at what Jesus said. There was something that occurred to me after months of studying that passage. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There's something missing from that verse, and it took me months, maybe even years, to discover it. There's one thing that I would think would be there that isn't. It's conspicuously absent from that verse. And what is absent from that verse is that Jesus never asked Simon and Andrew to stop being fishermen. Did you notice that? He never said, Quit fishing, you're doing it wrong. Quit fishing, I don't want you doing that. Quit fishing, he didn't say that. He just changed what they were fishing for. And that was, that's a big deal. He, he knew it says they were fishermen. You know, a lot of times when it comes to the life of Peter, we make fun of Peter a lot. Let me tell you all something. Peter had one bad day, okay? Y'all want everybody talking about your one bad day for 2,000 years? Okay, because that's what's happened to Peter. We talk about Peter's one bad day. Let's give Peter a break. Peter had one bad day. All right, I've had many. Okay, but, but I want to tell you something. 
We give Peter a hard time, almost like Jesus had to constantly overlook Peter. Let me tell you something. Jesus called Peter out because of who Peter was, not in spite of it. He needed a bold man. Who was the one that stood up in front of all the Jews, thousands of them, and said, you killed the one Messiah that came your way? Peter did that. See, Jesus needed somebody with steel and grit. So he just had to refine Peter and get him used to the ways of the Lord. But he didn't change who Peter was. Peter was a fisherman. And I'm convinced that Jesus called Peter because of that. He needed a man that thought like a fisherman. So let's pull up Chris. Come on up here. This is, uh, everybody give Chris a hand. This is Chris Barnhill. Um, We're going to, so Chris, is your mic on? Is my mic on? There it is. It is on. Awesome. I'm going to sit, have a seat. Now, Chris, how long have you lived in Franklin? I've been in Franktown for five years. Five years. Do you live in Franklin now? I do. Proudly, I live in Franklin. (laughs) Well, um, I've gotten to know Chris a little bit. I want to share with y'all kind of why we're here in doing this this morning. Kim mentioned out in the atrium, there's a a bunch of missions partners. There's FCA out there, One Gen Away, Disaster Relief, Room in the Inn. And we want you to go there after this is over. And we're going to talk a little bit about what Franktown is. And, and I'll, I'll tell you kind of how this came about in my life. You know, we get approached at Clearview by a lot of missions agencies. And, and they're all good, man. And, and you want to help. You really do. But, I mean, but, I mean think, let's just face it. Bandwidth is limited, right? And we just can't. We, we, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll spread out so thin we can't really help anybody. You know, so we'd rather take a deep dive. In other words, instead, instead of being a mile wide and an inch deep, we'd rather drill down pretty deep. Well, Kim you know, called me and, and said, hey, I got this local partner that I wanted to meet you with. And, and, and truth be told, Chris, I'm like, oh, Kim, I don't, I don't want to do this. And, and uh, I mean, we, this is like, you know, the fourth one this month. And, you know, and it's one of the things with Margrave. You turn Margrave loose and she's just, you just can't stop her. And, and so um, I went and sat down. We went to Sapia's and, and I walked away from that going, well, I, I said, well, Kim, I repent from, from all that. Uh, because when I understood their model and how they do it, I was really kind of blown away uh, that somebody right here, now I'd heard about Franktown before, um, but I really didn't understand them. So I've got a series of questions for you, big boy, um, and I'm going to ask them. Um, I want to ask you this, Chris. Um, how is the Franktown model different from most nonprofit groups, ministry groups, because you guys are structured different. Right. Explain to our people how, 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 it's, how Franktown's set up a little differently. Well, your opening comments kind of summed it up. And first of all, before I get into that, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity and how much I appreciate what y'all are doing, not just today, but throughout the years. Y'all get it. Christianity is not a spectator sport. To be a Christian, you're going to have to get out of the bleachers, come down on the field, and get in the game. And that's what y'all are doing. So on behalf of all the agencies out there, there's so many wonderful ministries, we say thank you for being willing to roll up your sleeves, wrap a towel around your waist, get on your knees, and start washing feet. Thank you. How is Franktown different? Well, we take the model that most nonprofits use as kind of just kind of opposite. Uh, because as you were saying, which I just, I need to make a copy of your opening comments because they're 
You said it so much better than I do. I really did. It's, it it's good. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, sorry. If y'all are it. new to Clearview, like I've got awful jokes, so y'all just need to settle in. Yeah. But you know, yes, who said service had to make you miserable? That's right. God gives everybody, we believe, talents, abilities, passions. This weekend's been a beautiful, beautiful weather. Picture you had this weekend that you had absolutely no responsibilities, no commitments. You could do anything you want. What would that be? It could be, boy, you kidding? I'd get out there and work on my 69 Mustang. I'd get out there and garden, or I would sew, or I would do woodworking, or I would get out there and play golf. I would go fishing. Whatever that skill, whatever that ability, whatever that passion is, God gave you that for a reason. Because we believe God gives everybody talents, abilities, etc. We also believe God gets really irritated if you bury it. Take that talent, take that ability, and share it. Franktown is just one way. There's dozens, thousands of different ways right here in this community. It could be you don't like children. That's okay. You can still use your talent in a different agency. But if you can hang out with children for an hour at a time and not want to kill them, we would love to have you come and work with us. And you said that you, you flipped the model. One of the things that, what, what really got me interested in Franktown was I said, when I asked Chris, well, how do y'all do what you do? He, he nailed it. He said, well, Jason, most nonprofits, when you come their way, you say, hey, I've got three hours a month. They say, awesome. We really need you to stuff envelopes. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, or people come into my world, in the church world. Hey, we, 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 we got three hours a month. We want to help. Man, we need help in the nursery. Oh, Lord Jesus. And you start fasting and you start trying to find a way out, right? Um, that's not what they do. They, they do it. Notice he said they flipped it. Well, rather than, you know, people, I'll, I'll do presentations. And people will come up to me afterwards and say, program sounds great. I'd love to help. What can I do? We say, I don't know. What can you do? We're not trying to be sarcastic, but that's a legitimate question. What is it that you do? Whatever that skill, ability, passion that makes you like, like the runner, little Eric Little, when I run, I just feel the pleasure of God. And he would always run with his head up. What is it that you do that makes you go, we can use that. Whether it be tutoring children whether it be fishing, playing golf, whether it be doing 3D printing or robotics, whether it be cooking, whatever it is. We want to know what you do. And we will plug you in doing that. And how, it, how, many, how many kids, do you, on a normal month, how many kids, teenagers all the way down to kids, would you say average come through your, your, your not your facility, you don't really yeah. have one, but through your model? We had to limit enrollment because we got... We only have so much capacity. Last year, this is a weird year, COVID, forget that. Uh, we work with about 170 children. Okay. And that's all we have capacity to work with. At any given time. At any given time. So one of the things that I asked him, I said, so like literally an entrepreneur, some of y'all love business. I mean, you just, you're just great at it. So you're saying like an entrepreneur that says, I would love to teach a, a kid how to make a budget or a teenager, how to make a profit loss statement. Like they could, they could, you think, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll set up a small group. I'm like, oh man, how cool is that? You know, or some, we have uh, people that do play golf that there are kids that would never get a chance to, to go to the ledges and hit golf balls. 
that, that literally we can make that happen, that Franktown can, can do that. So, so you, you see, you get the idea that, that it is something that, and here's why it mattered to Clearview so much. You hear us talking about the path to purpose. You hear Brian Hatcher and Shane and John Garner and others. You hear them talking about we have a path to purpose. We don't just tell you to go find your purpose. We tell you we're going to have you a path so to help you do that, right? So Brian Hatcher and our discipleship ministries, even Graham and students, we're working on helping them have a, a path, a jumping off point. Well, this was a natural extension. We can create the internal model, but in fact, what we really needed was a local partner to help us execute. It, to help us actually go make it happen. And so when, when we talked to Franktown, I was like, man, this is actually perfect because we can hand off somebody that loves to mentor kids, hand them right off to Franktown. And, and man, I mean, what, what a joy that is for us. Chris, let me ask you this. You know, I was thinking about this when, when, I, when I first met you, and I don't know why I had this thought in my head, but the older I get, I'm, you know, I'm 47, and, and you start realizing, okay, you know, I, I don't know how, how, many, how many years I've got left in, in a career, but let's say I've got 25 or, or 30 more years in a career. I, I, I don't want to spend those just anywhere. It's important. It's getting more important to me now than ever of where I spend my best years, right? And I, I wondered, you know, you're choosing to spend your years with Franktown. And why is that? You see things we don't see. What makes you really want to spend your, your years with this particular ministry? Because I think it says a lot that you do. Well, I'm, uh, I'm in recovery. I'm a recovering youth pastor. Yeah. Um, we have groups for that, too. So, yeah. I started off uh, in youth ministry uh, for the first dozen years, and I segued into different parachurch ministries. But I've done kids my whole life. I was with Youth Encouragement Services in Nashville for 12 years. I was with CASA for five years. I've been with Franktown for five. All in my ministry, my life has been dedicated to children. I will say this, though. Franktown, the Lord put that in my path. This is the first ministry I've ever been a part of where, you know, typically in youth work, you plant the seed, God will give the growth. That could be five years, 10 years, whatever. Occasionally you hear back from, from a kid that was in your program that has made it and wanted you to come do a wedding or whatever. And you think, honestly, I thought they'd be in jail by now. And they're, they're actually doing well. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Uh, this ministry, Franktown, is the first ministry I've been in that God gave me as I'm entering the twilight years that I can see a difference in a child now. I am so blessed to be able to start doing our program and it's like a hood was taken off the child's head and all of a sudden they, they get it. And oh my word, look at the possibilities. Look at, the, look, at the, look, look at my options. They start to see they're not trapped, maybe. They have options. They're no longer, I'm going to drop out of school and I might get a job at McDonald's or Zaxby's or whatever. They realize I don't have to follow this generational welfare cycle. I can get out of this thing. Last year, we brought 18 kids to Christ. The year before that, we brought 19 teens to Christ. It's having an impact on these kids. And that's right here in Williamson County. It's right here in Franklin, right here in about Franklin. four and a half miles down the road. Yeah, this isn't, we're not talking about something that's going on somewhere. This is right here, right here. 
and, and it's, it's really impressive. Tell us, while we're on this topic, tell us, like, give us, a, I, know it's, I know it's a sweeping generalization, but give us uh, the, 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 the simple profile. If you could, if you could like, post a picture of a kid, uh, we got a picture, I think, of uh, just your website. Um, yeah, so if you could paint us a profile for the average teen or kid that comes through, what are they facing? What, what's, what, what are they up against? Well, again, this is in, thank you for pointing that out. This is in Franklin, right down the road. 100% of our kids are on welfare, government, government assistance. 100%. The average annual income of the family we serve is less than $15,000 a year. How do you live on $15,000 a year or less than that in Franklin or anywhere in this country? We have over 55 of our families that are under that threshold of $15,000 a year. 100%, like I said, are in a single-parent home, either living with a mother, a grandmother, an auntie, a female. It is, it is heartbreaking to see the crime and the poverty that are in this community. Many of our families did not own a car. How do you get off welfare? How do you go to the grocery store? They live in a food desert. We have an automotive program where, where people will donate a car to us. We teach our kids how to fix it. But then we have a fixed car. We've just given away our 38th car, and there's still a waiting list. That's awesome. And that one that the kids fixed. These are vehicles that wow. were donated to us. The kids fixed them, and then we, cool then we re-gift them. Wow. So these, these, I mean, the, the, the adults in this community, over half of our parents are unemployed. Only 12% of the adults in this community have even graduated high school. And that's where our kids are being raised. They have no vision. They have no examples of how it is, you know, to go to work and to get a job. They don't understand that. It's they have no mental children. framework. One of the things I learned, you know, I learned a lot um, going to Eastern Europe and and one of the things I learned with working with kids in orphanages was that the teenage kids, uh, we had, uh, we, we talked about how they, um, you can see the look in their eyes. We called it re resignation or resentment. And, and what I mean by that is they, they had resigned to the fact that this is, this is it for me, that my life going forward, this is how it's going to look or resentment for this is how it's going to look. I, I have no option. Now, you know, regardless of what you might think about the welfare system or the parents or how that got there or how that how or if that's entitling them here's one thing we could all agree on and i would hope regardless of that that is not that teenager's fault that teenager didn't get to choose that 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 young 10 year old girl didn't get to choose that so we may not be able to to always change how they got there but we can change where they go from there amen we can change that and that's part of reason that Chris. I think we had a picture of this. Is some, is this some of the, the uh, some of your teens working on cars? Is that a mentor there working with them? That is. He's in a Phoenix Automotive. We had to drive way up by Fessler's Lane to get there, but he's got a lift. They had to drop a tranny, replace the gasket, and you notice the larger young man in the background. That's a JT. He had no idea. Replacing the gasket, replacing the steering wheel, center console brakes, and all this other stuff, working hard on that car. He had no idea. He was working on his own car. <laughs> How cool is that? Because when he finished fixing it, you know, he loved to get a job. 
He's so gifted with his hands and so talented. That kid's got four standing job offers when he graduates high school because these mentors that come in and train, whether it be in woodworking or welding or uh, automotive, you tell that kid one time, I got it. Don't have to tell him twice. They're like, we need, we need him. We'll hire him. Hmm. Lee Company, Franklin Kitchen Cabinet Center, Christian Brothers Automotive, and Volunteer Welding all said, if he wants a job, he's got it. Hmm. Wow. That's so neat. Praise the Lord. Let's look at another one. Uh, you got another image there. Culinary class. These kids need to know how to eat, need to know how to prepare meals. You know, when COVID hit, we had to pass out food baskets. We had no idea the, 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 our partners, whether it be Graceworks or One Gen Away, they're phenomenal, giving food baskets to our families. That doesn't do a family any good because we have 25 of our families that literally do not own pots and pans. What good does a food basket do me? So 25 of our families, we took prepared meals to. On a normal year, we give away about 10,000 meals. During those nine weeks that school was closed during that COVID time, we gave over 5,000 meals during that little window because our families needed to eat. So yes, we teach the basic skills about how to cook, how to feed themselves. Because the the family's so broken down a lot of times and and their prospects are so limited, it, 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 it can you got to start at the basics in, on things like that. Let's look at well, another one. you got a, another image here, I think, of what's going on there. Well, uh, I have no idea. Uh, no, <laughs> it's computers, obviously, duh. But that could be our computer class. Which it's okay. I teach. feel that way sometimes here. Yeah, too, just, or it could be robotics or 3D printing. I mean, they all use computers. These days, a receptionist or, a, or a, you know, somebody, a receptionist at a restaurant, everybody uses computers. Well, so many of our children, well, none of our children before we got involved, do they own computers. They don't have Wi-Fi. They don't have Internet. They don't have those things. We say all our kids in Franklin, they're all in a level playing field. No, they're not. My kid went to Franklin, excuse me, uh, Williamson County Schools. He came home in the fifth grade doing PowerPoint homework. They don't teach that in Franklin Special Schools, not being critical of them, but if they know a third, 36% of the children in Franklin Special Schools are on the free reduced lunch program. 36% are on welfare, and it's right down the street. You see these families at Kroger. Your kids go to school with them if they go to Centennial or Freedom Intermediate or Freedom Middle or what. It's right here. And we have the audacity to say, poor people? What poor people? I don't see any poor people. What are you talking about? And we can't, Open your eyes. As, we, as we look at, you know, the, uh, the whole world, needs are everywhere. We know that, right? We, we know that there are. Um, there's an old Jewish proverb, um, and, I, and I, I won't quote it exactly. It's just a, a folk proverb, and I won't quote it exactly right. Um, but it goes something like this. Um, you're not responsible for the whole world, but you are responsible for who crosses your path. And, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that, that there's times that people cross our path and that we can't look away and we're not allowed to look away. And, and there's, a million, there's a million opportunities and there's a million good, as Chris said, there's a million great agencies out there and, the, and several of them out in the atrium today. But what we wanted to give you was a jumping off point. 
You know, Chris said it perfectly. Christianity is not a spectator sport. It just isn't. And, and so many of you ask God to use you. You ask God to use you. You want God to use you. Let, let me tell you how God uses you. You, re- you ready? Start. 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 Stop talking about it and start doing it. Start doing it. And, and it's not, I, you've heard me say up here many times, the kingdom of God often moves forward in quiet moments. Many times, you know, that volunteer that was working on that, on that l- let's go back to that automotive. Whoever that guy was, you know what he did? I don't never, never met him. I guarantee you I know what the guy did. The guy stopped thinking about it and he picked up the phone. That's what he did. And he picked up the phone and one day later, he's helping a kid fix a car and that little boy has no idea that's going to be his car. To get him a job, to maybe change and alter his family tree forever. You know, that's pretty neat, isn't it? So we have one way. Um, there's an event coming on every other seat here tonight. There's a, a Christmas shopping event. Now, that's kind of unique to something that y'all do. And, and, if, and Kim, am I right to say we're going to host that So in this room? So we're going to host. So Chris, break this down for us because this is pretty neat. Thank you for this. With, again, all the COVID stuff, we've been shut out of so many places and so many venues. And the venue, we've, we've been doing this for 17 years. And uh, where are we going to go? We've been shut out. You're not welcome here uh, because of the COVID and all that stuff. Ah, there was a church that says, what's, what's ours is yours. You can come here. Thank you. The kids have to earn this. They have to earn everything that they get at, uh, at Franktown. Everything is based on work reward. And it looks like we're going to have about 100 kids that qualify through community service, good conduct in school. So they have like an earning system to get them to this event. They have to earn this. I love it. That's awesome. So about 100-ish kids have earned this. They're going to come here on December the 12th and 100 kids in chairs. And then we're going to have about 100-ish families that said, yes, I will take a child shopping. And they will come here and they will be matched with this child about nine o'clock in the morning. It won't take too long so you can get home and watch UT football or whatever. That Not afternoon, really. Or whatever, what passes, what they call football. Anyway, each child will have an envelope filled with $150 that they can buy Christmas presents for their family, their siblings, their mom, grandmother, auntie, whatever. Your job is to get partnered with this child and you're going to take them shopping to Target, to uh, Academy Sports, to Walmart, to wherever it is, and they'll buy presents for their family. Then they're going to come back here and they're going to go in one of these classrooms and one of these two wings and they're going to wrap all their gifts and presents and all that stuff and you'll get your picture made with your child. They will go over here in this section in the back and pick up food. Uh, for a family feast, they're going to take home in these little to-go boxes. And then, and then you get to take the child home. And you're going to get your eyes open because you're going to see where this child lives. And walk in with the wrapped presents, with the pride on this child's face because I'm providing Christmas presents for my family. And you get to be a part of that. 
So thank you for opening up your hearts, your building. But if you'd like to participate, there's a link there that you can sign up and volunteer to be somebody that directs traffic, somebody that wraps presents, somebody that brings food, or somebody that actually takes the child shopping. You need to do that early because you have to get background checked, etc. But if you would like to help in any of those ways, please follow that link. You know, it's, I love that those kids have to have some dignity to earn that spot. There's dignity in that, that they, they had to put, have some skin in the game. And I love that. Um, and, and I, but I want to say to you, you know, there's not a person here, teenager all the way to 80-year-old, that can't help out with this effort. One of the things that we were determined as a staff, I, I'm serious, when COVID came our way in, in March, we, uh, we had our first initial meeting. We all got in a room. And in that month of March, one by one, two by two, decision by decision, one decision that we made was that no matter what happened in COVID, kingdom work was going to thrive and not just survive. Kingdom work was going to move forward. We you know why? Because Christmas is coming whether COVID is here or not. These kids have real needs whether churches help or not. That doesn't change the fact that this is still going to happen. So I was determined and our staff was determined that we were going to lead through COVID, not just try to limp along. And, and we have done that. As a, as a church, you're seeing missions has been, and one of the things COVID has done for us is it's forced us to look right around us, man. And so they, you heard them talk about background checks. There's some things. I love how, how thorough they are with things like this. But at the same time, you guys, listen, this, this isn't going to mean that you're, you know, you, you're going to have to mentor a kid every week for the rest of your life. You're, you're not. But you might. And that's not a bad thing. You know? It, it might mean that maybe some of you that, that love musicianship found a way all of a sudden to take two or three kids that, that really do. You, ne you never know. You never know what musician I often think about this from time to time, and then we'll pray. I do. I think about thoughts like this sometimes. You know, there was a woman, or there was a man, somewhere, and we'll never know their name, but there was a woman, there was a man, that every Sunday had a Bible study of a handful of kids, and had no idea that Billy Graham was sitting in that room. Had no idea that that little boy was listening. There's many of you... You don't know that you're going to be mentoring maybe the next CEO, the next woman that invents a vaccine. You don't realize the power of what you do. You know, I got to, I've been writing since I was in high school, and uh, somebody asked me not long ago, Jason, what got you into to being an author and a writer? And, and I had never really thought about it until I realized it came from a teacher. Miss Sylvia Garner walked in one day, and I was on the yearbook staff, and, and uh, she said, uh, I was on the yearbook staff because it got me out of geometry, and, and that's the honest truth. Um, and, and so she said, uh, hey, hey, I'll never forget this day. I really won't. Miss Garner said, uh, hey, hey, sweetie, you, you won second in the state. And I said, for what? She said, for writing. Now, you got to realize, I was a golfer, so I, 
I literally said to Miss Garner, I, 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 this is what I said. I said, Miss Garner, I didn't go to a writing tournament. Like, I thought you just tee it up it's with a pencil or something, you know, and you just write an essay. I literally didn't know. I, she said, no, honey, you won second. I said, Miss Garner, I did not go anywhere to a writing tournament. I remember using those words, and she's laughing. I said, what did you say? She said, I submitted your work for you. She said, you can write. I said, I can. She said, you can. I had no idea that she saw something in me that I didn't even know was there. That was a teacher. And several books later and every time, I say every time, a lot of times, I'll get an email from some guy long way away who read a book or an article and it took him higher ground with Jesus. And that started because a woman saw something in me that I didn't know was there. And she invested. You know, that's, that's, that's the reality of what we're called to do. And you've got to jump an off point right here with these people. So what we want you to do is we want you to take this. And I would encourage you here at Clearview. We live in a very wealthy, affluent area. And it is really easy for you to give your money. But I would ask you to give yourself. Maybe just wrap a present. Just be here on that week where, when we're doing the, the shopping event. Some of you are going to be called to be mentors. Some of you are just going to be called to help with the events. That's fine. But don't just give your money. We are not going to sit back in this church and let the whole world wait on somebody to do something. We're doing something. And we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. And we're going to do it right here. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter, but sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.